the number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Welcome to another segment of UCW Radio, and this is your host, Lou, a.k.a. Falcon Coparis, and I want to thank all of our listeners again for their continued support, and uh, I hope you're enjoying our special guests that are coming on the show uh, every every week. Uh, it's just getting more and more interesting. On today's show, we have a very special guest. He is one of the foremost authorities on motorcycle clubs and the biker lifestyle in the world. He evolved from living the biker lifestyle for, for over 25 years to becoming not only an author, but one of the most sought-after consultants for TV, films, documentaries, uh, anything out there as it relates to the biker lifestyle. I refer to him as an icon in the motorcycle club arena. He shows that the biker lifestyle is not what is not only what you see on TV, what you read about in, in your local paper. So this is uh, going to be very interesting. Now, before we bring our guests on the line, I have to give you some information. Listeners can actually call in when the show is live. Uh, you can get a pen and write this down. Three two three. 215-1446 is the number. That's 323-215-1446. And when we're not live, you can actually still call in, leave a message, leave your question or comment for our guest. Uh, just go to ucwmagazine.com. You can see who our guests are and just leave your message. Get involved. If it's interesting enough, trust me, it'll be played on the show. And if it's not, well, at least you left it, right? Uh, also, if you're on Twitter, then you can shoot me out some questions or comments uh, while we're live, or even if we're not live. Uh, you can also catch me on Facebook and connect with me there and ask your questions there as well. Uh, my Twitter name is Luis Velasquez. That's L-O-U-I-S-V-E-L-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. Follow me and ask away. Now, without further ado, let's patch in the man who I call an icon in the motorcycle club arena, former leader of the renowned Bandidos Motorcycle Club, Edward Winterhalder. Edward, welcome to UCW Radio. I want to thank you in advance for taking time out of your day for us. I know you, you're busy nowadays, so I really do appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Lewis. It's uh, good to have met you, and uh, it should be an interesting interview. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, it's, it's going to be interesting. But I think what we're going to wind up doing is give, giving people a little more insight into who you are, because uh, you, you know, your, your story I find to be amazing. It's an amazing journey. Uh, you went from being one of the top leaders of the uh, quote-unquote out, outlaw biker clubs, the Banditos, to being one of the most sought-after authorities on motorcycle clubs and the biker lifestyle, as well as being an accomplished author. Uh, some of your books, you know, they include The Biker Chicks, The Assimilation, uh, Rock Machine Becomes Banditos, uh, Living on the Edge, Out in Bad Standing, and All Roads Lead to Sturgis. Uh, I, I hope I'm covering all of them. Uh, am I missing anything? Oh, well, you're missing a couple, but that's okay. I, I, I do want to tell you that this is the last place on earth that I thought I'd be at this age. Yeah. You know, no. being an author and being involved with television, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely the last place I thought I'd be. 
Yeah, well, it's, I think you 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 evolved. I think most people do evolve, you know. But it's I think that your past is actually is is an inspiration to other people. I think what you've done and what you're doing right now just shows, you know. I mean, you have to go through things in life in order to share things with the world, and I think that's what you've done. Um, but before we touch on your books, I, I think that the best place to start so people can get a really good understanding of of who you are uh, is to start at the beginning. Uh, how did you get involved in the biker lifestyle uh, way back when? Well, many, many years ago when I was uh, about 14, I was at a carnival in North Brantford, Connecticut. I grew up in North Brantford. And uh, some guys rode in on some Harley choppers and uh, ended up parking their bikes about five feet from where I was standing. And at that point in time, I knew that's what I wanted to do with you know, when I got older and old enough, that's what I wanted to have and that's what I wanted to do. And uh, when I come home from the Army in 1973, I uh, well, went back to work uh, at a uh, truck shop and uh, graduated over to a heavy equipment firm and in the process uh, saved every dollar I had. And in uh, late 1974, bought my first uh, Harley, which was a 1963 Panhead. And uh, when work got bad in uh, Connecticut in 1975, I moved out to Oklahoma and within a very short period of time got uh, made some new friends that were in a local motorcycle club called the Rogues and uh, started hanging out with them. And, uh, you know, it took me a few years, but in uh, 1978, I ended up becoming a member. And uh, from that point on, all the way up until uh, 2003, I was either a member of a motorcycle club an outlaw motorcycle club, or very closely associated with them and uh, running with them as an independent. I mean, going from Connecticut to Oklahoma, you know, that's a big change, you know, um, and actually get just sorted you on the path of everything that you've done in your life. Um, I, I know, and this may be, uh, if you don't have to answer this or go into it if you don't want to, but I know one of the most headline uh, headlined events that I know of as it relates to motorcycle clubs uh, was uh, with the Banditos and the Hells Angels. Uh, do you mind touching on that just a little bit? Well, uh, frequently certain members of the clubs have had problems with other members of the clubs. The two clubs get along fine. Uh, it's just that, uh, you, you know, you go back to the first grade playground when you have two, two bullies on the playground, one of them, you know, always picks a fight with the other. Mm -hmm. And that's traditionally what's going on with the Hells Angels and the Banditos. Just in a big, uh, big but level. as far as the clubs are concerned, you know, there's nowhere in the world right now where the where the clubs are, you know, fighting with each other, with the exception of some individual members that take it upon themselves to uh, promote that philosophy. Right. You know, they, they're they're the ones. Certain individuals are the ones that are uh, creating the uh, the incidents that occur between the Hell's Angels and the Banditos. But all in all, you know, being a part of a motorcycle club is actually an exciting thing, and it's not all that people read in the papers. No, it's uh, the majority of the outlaw motorcycle club members, as well as motorcycle club members, period, are all uh, regular people that live in your neighborhood. Uh, most of them are parents and uh, dads and uh you know, they have regular jobs in the community, and they participate in the community. The only thing they're guilty of is having a little bit too much fun on the weekends. Uh, what people read about and see on TV 
is the negative acts that were committed by a minority. And they get all the attention and all the media, and uh, by default, everyone in the world believes that that's what all members are all about. And that's not true. Well, you know, that that's, that's the thing. The media, they post a picture of anything. And that is what's going on your know, television, on the radio, on, on the Internet. And that's what people begin to believe. And uh, it's, you know, it's funny that, you know, you, someone watches something on TV, they say, well, motorcycle clubs, they're all evil and they're all bad and they're all this. But that's the picture that's painted. But, you know, all of that is far from the truth. And, absolutely. You know, uh, that's an absolute fact. Uh, you know, the, the uh, majority of the banditos that I knew, you know, were all working guys, had jobs, had families, and, uh, you know, like I said, just uh, like to have a little bit too much fun sometimes. No, you know what, that, that's not too bad, you know, something that you have to, uh, <laughs> you have to curb it sometimes, you know. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, you retired from the club, and I appreciate you uh, getting into that, by the way. Uh, you retired from the club back in 2003. You were, you were part of them for, part of the Banditos for about 25 years. You had 25 years of service with the club. Uh, how did it feel to leave something that was such a part of your life for so long? Well, I actually uh, ran into my first Bandito around 1980, so uh, you're right about having 25 years in and around the club. I didn't actually become a member until 1997, only because I, I lived in Oklahoma and there was not a local chapter here, mm -hmm. and I was I ended up getting the Banditos to come here and founded the chapter here in Oklahoma. But during the you know, from 1980 to 1997, I was with them all the time. They were here visiting me all the time, and uh, you know, I cultivated a lot of very close friendships during that 23-year uh, period. Uh, to leave the club, it, you know, it's kind of like a guy that's working at the uh, at the car factory for 25 years, and you know, all of a sudden one day he says, "I've had enough of this, and uh, you know, it's time to move on with your life." At the time, uh, back in 2003, I had a thriving construction company, and I, my daughter, who I had custody of, was uh, just turning 10. Okay. And I knew that I only had, uh, you know, five or six years left with her before she had her driver's license and uh, pretty much had her own life. And I really wanted to be around for her and enjoy those years. And also I wanted to uh, explore my business a little farther. So, and I think the last thing was that I was uh, getting older and it was hard to keep up with the young guys anymore. As far as riding my bike a million miles each year. Right. So, uh it was a little bit of everything, but it was time for me to move on and uh, leaving those friends behind. It's just one of those things as, as part of the deal. And originally, I didn't anticipate having to leave them behind. But very shortly after I got out of the club, the uh, national chapter of the Bandidos changed my out status to being out in bad standings, which meant that nobody who was currently in the club could associate with me anymore. So that kind oh, wow. of uh, set the stage for... A total departure and time for me to move on, which I've done since then. I mean, that kind of that kind of sucks. <laughs> There's no other way for me to say that, but it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, such is life, yeah. and it's really more painful uh, for the guys that are actually in the club uh, as far as sanctions, because you know, because I was out of the club, they couldn't do anything to me. Mm -hmm. But if they caught somebody socializing with me that was in the club, then they would throw him out of the club. So that was the leverage that they used to keep people from associating with me after I was putting out bad standings. Yeah, but that that's tough because, you know, when you're 
with these guys, around these guys for 10, 20, 25 years, they become part of your family, your extended family. And you know, it's just like you not being able to speak to your brother or sister, you know, uh, that's that's a little tough. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, such is life, and you, you move on. And I had plenty of other uh, friends and, and associations with many, many other people. So, uh, you know, it was okay. Well, I mean, look at what it did. You know, it, it, it gave you an opportunity to do what you're doing now. You know, right now, uh, from what um, I know that you, you, look, you've been brought in as an authority, an authority of the biker lifestyle for TV, film, documentaries, so on and so forth. Uh, you've done a lot of stuff. And this is all following, you know, your, your tenure uh, with the Banditos, with uh, everything that's transpired in your life. And so actually, you, you're, a lot of good things are happening or have happened for you and continue to happen for you. Uh, can, well, can, part of the, part, I, I can tell you that part, part of that is due to the fact that there was so little uh, documentation out there, uh, like books and stuff about the lifestyle. Uh, almost none of it had been written by anybody who had ever come from the lifestyle. The majority had been written by journalists and law enforcement people, uh, and the majority of what was out there was concerning the negative acts of the minority. Right. So uh, for me, it was an opportunity. Uh, for me, it all it started, I just wanted to write down everything that I'd been involved with that was uh, important while I could still remember it. And I never set out to write a book it was just one of those things that evolved. Uh, one day I woke up and had 180,000 words written down and about 150 photographs, and I thought, man, it'd be cool to put them in a book. So that was how the first book came around. It was a total accident, never planned on. What, what was never, the first book? What was the title of that one? Out in Bad Standings. Out, that was the first one, Out in Bad Standings. Yeah, and it was self-published. I uh, wrote it myself. I edited it myself. I manufactured it myself. And I uh, went on the internet and looked at self-publishing, and they said, uh, count up the number of friends you have, and that's the number of books you print. So I printed up 300 copies and figured I'd have them for the rest of my life. Did a book signing uh, here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for okay. the book, and uh, sold out the books within a week. So after that, uh, went and... Uh, a light bulb came on and said, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shortly thereafter, Barnes & Noble got a hold of me and uh, told me that they had requests for the book, lots of them, and uh, I went and manufactured a whole bunch more books, and before long, they were selling all over the world. And uh, like I said, it was a total accident, just one of those deals. Wow. And that book led to the other books, and the other books led to television stuff, and it's just uh, That's amazing. It's like the domino effect. You push over the first domino, and they keep going. Yeah, well, sometimes it happens. You have, you know, just a, a whole slew of good things that transpired, but everything just came from something negative. A whole bunch of positive stuff happened, you know. Absolutely. Um, and that, that's great. You know, can you tell us what um, what projects or what TV, film, documentaries uh, that you were brought in as a consultant? Uh, I was brought in as a consultant for an HBO show called 1%. Okay. Uh, which uh, HBO, they green-lighted the pilot for it and green-lighted the season synopsis. And for whatever reasons, which are unknown to me, uh, they never green-lighted you know, the actual series. And that was last fall. Uh, right now, I'm going to have a pilot on Discovery Channel this fall that okay. I've been involved in. It's going to feature a, the first balanced 
perspective of Outlaw Motorcycle Clubs. Oh, wow. So we talked to a little bit of everybody on it and got everybody's opinion from all sides. And if that works out well, hopefully there'll uh, be some more episodes. That's interesting. And then uh, right now in development, I've got a uh, series that we're shopping to the networks uh, that involves a all-female motorcycle club. Hmm. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So you have a lot of things on, on your plate right now. Yep, I've got uh, I've got three more book projects that are in different stages of development right now. One of them is almost finished, which mm -hmm. is the second book in the Biker Story series, and this book is called The Mirror, okay. and it will be out in February of 2010. That that series uh, that that series uh, started with what all roads lead to Sturgis, right? Correct, and okay. that's a, uh, a line of fictional okay. stories. Uh, you know, based on a lifestyle. And every one of these books is, uh, we're making, my co-author James Richard Larson and I are making sure that they are movie worthy every book. Mm -hmm. They've got cross, multiple plots, cross plots, and, uh, they're just fascinating books. And then, uh, my next non-fiction book will be Biker Chicks of North America. Okay. We, have, my co-author Will DeClerc and I have gone in and interviewed 25 prominent female Harley riders in North America. Wow. These girls are either uh, famous girls who happen to ride a Harley, or they are famous because they ride Harleys. And it should be a, a very interesting, uh, uh, inspirational uh, book uh, that uh, we think everybody should be interested in. And then we're just starting on a book. Uh, oh, and uh, Biker Chicks in North America should be out uh, worldwide in the summer of 2010. Okay, and that, that and they, they can get on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that, all those. Sites. Oh yeah, every bookstore yeah. in the world will be have access to it. Uh, and then we're just starting on Biker Kids. Who's your daddy? We are interviewing. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like the title. Yeah, we're interviewing people in between the ages of 16 and 60. Uh, that when they were a child, they were raised in the home of a biker. You know, maybe their mom was a biker or their dad was a biker. Okay. And we're capturing their memories from that time span. Uh, I have teamed up with uh, Dr. Richard Fee at Arizona State University, who's a sociologist, mm -hmm. and he has assembled a, uh, a team of interns. Some of them are grad students and some of them are not. And uh, they are conducting all the interviews because uh, we discovered that in the entire world there's never been an academic study done on, on this group of individuals. Mm -hmm. So this project will evolve into an academic paper, and then it will also, uh, after they get done converting the interviews into the academic stories, the academic stories will be sent up to Will DeClerc mm -hmm. in Canada, and Will and I will hammer it out into a regular reading book that uh, everybody can understand hmm. and that book should be out uh, probably December of 2010 Wow! so I definitely have a full plate right now yeah wow and, and what about film projects do you have anything going on film wise I know you have your books that are film worthy but do you have anything that's in, that in the works right now no I've got uh, some film people sniffing around looking at the books but uh, nothing uh, as of this date is uh, concrete no contracts yet. Well, I'm sure it's going to come to fruition because I mean, you're you're 
your your life's amazing. Uh, your books, you know, I'm sure that they they I I know I've read a couple. They are uh, you know amazing. And uh, you know, if you're talking about film worthy stuff, that is it. You know, you have the real deal there. Um, and I'm sure that things are going to come about. You know, with that. And I know that all your and I just feel that your your new books will be a big success because as you said there's really nothing out there like what you're you're producing or you're putting out there so oh absolutely yeah you know, yep. you know so yeah, we're trying to focus on the positive aspects of being in a motorcycle club you know through the communities uh, that the guys live in uh, through their jobs through their families stuff like that and then uh, if we dive off into the outlaw motorcycle clubs uh, some of the stuff is historical, and you know it's purely what we're out to capture is an accurate portrayal historically of an event that might have happened. Well, I mean, years ago they used to make a lot of uh, biker movies, going back to Marlon Brando and then Easy Rider, all that stuff. But what you're doing is is showing something so um, so real that people will see. Hey, you know what? It's not about you know. Uh, uh, gang wars and this and that, all that nonsense about real people just enjoying something that uh, that's part of their lives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my my books, uh, you know, are not pursuing sensationalism. Uh, you know, they're focusing on the other side of the story that no one's ever told. And uh, you know, we're trying, like I said, trying to do it as accurately as possible and uh, make it enjoyable. And even in the fictional line, you know, the uh, the guys are somewhat of the heroes of the book, so it's uh, you know, and it's and it's a lot of the stuff that I wrote about in the fictional books are stuff that happened to me in my life that I just need to leave the names uh, alone. And doing a fictional story, you can uh, use some of those events that occurred in my life and, just and portray them in the fictional sense, and it works out real well. You play around with it a little bit, and you make it into something very interesting. Yeah, you, you Absolutely. Know, you know what's, what's interesting to me that, you know, I mean, going back in time, if you look at the, I know this is going to sound silly, but you look at vampires, okay, when people used to write about vampires, make movies, he was always the evil guy, the bad guy, this and that, and then all of a sudden it evolved to what you see on TV right now. Where it's, Absolutely. You know, you know, That's vampires, a very good analogy. Yeah, where vampires are like, wow, you know, Twilight, uh, True Blood. You know, people are watching this and they're embracing the vampire. They're like, wow, that's you know, we're looking, we're looking up to the vampire, and it, it, it amazes me because for so many years the vampire was the bad guy, but now, you know, he's not the bad guy anymore. He does, he's like, you know, he's not good, he's not bad. He's just there, and people embrace it. Absolutely, and I, and I think that's what you're doing, and, I, and I, that's why I know that it's only a matter of time before you know Hollywood producers start looking at what you're doing and say, "Hey, you know what? That would maybe it is time to to do something like this. Maybe you know, out of anyone, I mean, you're the only one out there that's putting out stuff like this, so you would be the guy to go to." Absolutely, and it's time to bury the stereotype and uh, you know move on. There's I mean, literally tens of millions of guys out there and females out there riding Harleys worldwide. Yeah. And uh, out of that, you know, you've got maybe a hundred a year that are causing grief somewhere. So it's a very, very small minority, and it's time to move on and uh, show the rest of the world, you know, the good a the good uh, aspects of the uh, Harley lifestyle. Yeah, and for that matter, uh, you know, all motorcycle lifestyle. 
Yeah, well, no, without a doubt, because it, there's, there's a stigma out there, and just to paint the picture, you have, you know, uh, you have a bar situation and or, or a restaurant, and then all, a whole bunch of bikers come in, people will panic, you know, but, I mean, why why does that happen? I have no clue. You know, people are people. It, it, it's the stigma, and yeah. it's what they've read in the papers, right. and what they've seen on TV, and they just believe that they're all like that, and that's just so far from the truth, that it's... Uh, you know, it's it's just time for somebody to try to tell the world what it's all about. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you're doing, and I think that's fantastic. You know, uh, and I think that you know, again, you know, what you're doing is is great. Uh, it's it's painting a different picture, which people need to see the the real story. They need to hear the real story. They need to see it on film. A lot of people don't read books. They may watch a film, but you know, it is it is uh, very interesting. Um, you know, just to touch on something, you know, on my end, you know. Uh, I I know of someone that was uh, in a, a motorcycle club. He retired, and he's a well-known uh, celebrity. But again, you know, people are people, and he's a real person. And it's not like you know there's anything uh, different between him and the next guy. Uh, and again, that stigma. Hopefully, that stigma gets uh, kind of flattened out a little bit with the stuff that you're doing. Now, yeah. now, Edward, do you have any appearances lined up uh, currently? Because uh, I, I want people to know where they can meet you because I, I just find you fascinating, and I want people you know that 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 are out there. Maybe they'll have the opportunity to to greet. And I'm going to use this term, an icon in the motorcycle club arena. That's what I'm going to call you, an icon. Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. Uh, I just got done doing an appearance in the Boston area. Okay. I just flew back to Oklahoma. I I am so busy this fall that I probably won't make an, another round of appearances until Daytona Bike Week in Florida in March of 2010. Okay. Now, what about the websites? Can people go to your website and, uh, and, and get, I mean, I guess find out what's going on with you, get updates, things of that nature? Absolutely. And my website's very easy to remember. It's blockheadcity.com. B-L-O-C-K, like a block of concrete, H-E-A-D, like your head, C-I-T-Y, blockheadcity.com. They can go to the books page, they can go to the TV page, they can go to the appearance page, and they can generally see what's going on with me. They can look me up on Facebook, uh, and they can look me up on Google. I think there's 100,000 pages on me on Google, so plenty of information about, out there. About 150,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, YouTube, there's uh, three videos on there right now. There's uh, One is a Bravo TV appearance uh, with me and J.K. Rowling from Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, there is another one, uh, a trailer for the Living on the Edge uh, pilot. Okay. Which we shot a couple of years ago with the Vietnam Vets Motorcycle Club in Pennsylvania, which is just a fantastic deal. The DVD is available on Amazon. Okay. And then uh, I think there's a... Uh, a third video on YouTube uh, from my appearance on Fox Television with uh, James Richard Larson, okay. which occurred earlier this year. Yeah, that, that so there's plenty of information out there for people to find. Yeah, most most definitely, and I do urge people out there that are listening to this uh, this interview with uh, with you to go out and get your books. You know, because I I find it interesting, fascinating. You know, your story. You know, maybe uh, there'll be a biography or an autobiography or, or something like that on you because I think that your journey is amazing. 
to go from where you know from your 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 path from Connecticut to Oklahoma to 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 living the biker lifestyle to doing what you're doing now. You know, how many people on this earth can say they've done that? Yeah, not very many, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, uh, Out in Bad Standings is uh, out of print, so if uh, somebody finds a copy of it, they need to jump on it if they want it. Uh, I like this item. The Assimilation is readily available. It's a great book. Uh, my co-author, Will Clerk and I wrote. Uh, it uh, has a lot to do with the uh, changeover of the rock machine up in Canada into Banditos a few years ago, which I was uh, responsible for. All Roads Lead to Sturgis is out there at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And, uh, you know, all the Living on the Edge is available at Amazon. And all the rest of the books that are coming uh, will be out there at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and the rest of the ordinary bookstores in the world sometime in the near future. Well, let me ask you one, one last question because I know you have things to do. Uh, there was something, I don't know why it hit me, but I was watching something on television and they had, and I, I didn't see it, I don't know if the show is out yet or, or what's going on with it, but I saw an ad for the Sons of Anarchy, and I wasn't sure where, what that was about. I knew it was a show, I think it was a show. Um, do, you, do you have anything to do with that? Sons of Anarchy is on FX Channel, and it's getting ready to start its second season. Okay. And it is about a mythical, fictional motorcycle gang called uh, Sons of Anarchy. And uh, the show... Uh, takes the negative acts that were committed by the few that we were talking about early, mm-hmm. earlier, and it, it uh, sensationalizes those to where that's what these guys do every minute of their lives, which is you know a total fabrication. It's uh, very similar to what they did with the police and the Shield. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the same people are involved in it. Okay. And uh, the main character, Jax, uh, they they took. Uh, certain aspects of my life that were portrayed in Out in Bad Standings. Mm-hmm. The uh, part where Jax has a new baby and he's conflicted with being in the club and being a dad. That mm-hmm. came from my book. And we just talked about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the other fact uh, that uh, he wants to bring the club back to its roots and get it away from committing crimes every minute of the day. That you know, also was portrayed heavily in Out in Bad Standings. And what happened was... Uh, Back in 2006, uh, some, somebody from their camp got a hold of us and requested some complimentary copies mm-hmm. of Out in Bad Standings, and they got sent out to the creators of that show, uh, John Art Lenson and Kurt Suter. And, uh, you know, the way the fiction world works is uh, you can pretty much do whatever you want, mm-hmm. and all these characters are composites anyway. Okay. So uh, I'm fine with it. I don't have any problem with it. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, uh, in some ways, you know, you're honored. So uh, I hope that I wish them plenty of success, and they seem to be getting it with the show. Uh, to me, it's uh, almost comical when I watch it right. because uh, you know of it not being real. But uh, if that's what does good for them, then more power to them. Well, I mean, they're looking to get the viewership, and if that's what's working, then that's what's working. You know, but what you're doing is is the real deal, even with your uh, your fictional. Uh, uh, you know, books and your projects. Basically, you know, you're going to be painting a picture that is not painted out there. And I know that you're going to be successful as you have been with everything. Because a lot of people don't don't understand too that even though you live that lifestyle, you you're also a successful businessman. Absolutely, I've uh, I've always been uh, a business guy, 
and uh, ran a very successful construction company that I owned. We built about $25 million worth of stuff from uh, 1995 up to uh, 2005. And these days, I just don't have time for it anymore. I've uh, got myself pushed. My plate is full, mm-hmm. and there's no room to put anything else on it, so I had to let the construction stuff go. Uh, I've been investing in real estate over the years. I uh, was involved in music when I was younger and uh, had a piece of a record company and a publishing company, still on the publishing company, and uh, have uh, lots of different interests business-wise, which uh, most people don't find to be uh, typical. Mm-hmm. of a uh, guy who has lived the uh, life of an outlaw motorcycle club member. Because that's the stigma they put out there, that the old bikers are the same. And that is not the truth. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm telling you, I do look forward, and I know uh, you're not speaking about it, but I, I do look forward to reading uh, your biography, your autobiography, and uh, reading about your whole entire life because this interview, if we were to talk about everything, every aspect of everything you've been through, and the whole nine yards. We would be on, we would be on this uh, call for probably nine days or maybe a month. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> something like that. It, it would take a while, that's for sure. Yeah, that I, I do appreciate know. you having me. No, Edward, I do appreciate you taking the time. I know your plate is full. I know you're really busy, but it means a lot to me that you did take this time, and I'm glad that we were able to touch on certain things that, you know, people may not realize. You know, as I said before, and I'll say it again, that you I consider you an icon in the motorcycle club arena because there's no one out there that can give uh, the rendition or paint the picture of what it really is to be a part of something like that and what really transpired. So I, pl- I applaud you for that. And I do wish you continued success. And actually, when things do develop, if you are not too busy, we'd like to have you back on the show. Well, I would love to be back on the show, and I sure appreciate your support. Thank Thanks. you very much, Lewis. Thank you, Edward. I'll, I'll be speaking to you soon when uh, your movies and TV and everything else uh, happens for you. Sounds good. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. What is your major malfunction? All that be written. All that be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you, and I thank you.